date today is January 24th, 2021, and this is Sam Walking in the World, episode 46, the fastest growing podcast in all of Noel Top Terrace. And as always, these are the thoughts of a guy who used to be unhappy, just trying to live like he wants to be when he dies, although he's a little bit worked up today. I'm very grateful to all of you, and as always, thrilled as ever to hear you listening to the sound of my voice. Here's some stuff that's happened. Since we last spoke, uh, there was a big snowstorm, like maybe 12 inches of snow scattered over about a day and a half. And I like it. I like it. Took the dog up on the trail, sometimes twice a day. Did two today, actually. And um, there's something so nice about giant mounds of snow everywhere. And I'm not being sarcastic. The, the part of me that likes chaos kind of rejoices when there's like a natural disturbance that causes everyone to have to do things a little bit differently. You know, you can't see the lines on the highway, so you can sort of drive wherever you want. Now, if you have four-wheel drive and great tires like I do, then you're one of the few people that's actually out on the road. And so it creates a certain amount of Solitude, I guess you'd say. Not to mention all the perks that go along with not having other cars to deal with. I really enjoy it. Just for a day or two. And then it settles down. It was it was hard walking on the trail, though. Boy, the first time I did it, it must have been the first one there. Because I had to stomp it all down. I was walking in knee-high snow. But then over the course of the last few days, it all kind of settled down. Um, although, Sandy and I have to take some credit for trampling down that trail a little bit. And the last one I went on just now uh, was a wonderful hike. And the snow kind of makes everything look clean. I don't know. I just like it. Maybe it's the part of me that kind of like leans toward chaos. Somebody, uh, here's another thing that happened. Somebody walked in on me in the bathroom at the Y. Yep. I was sitting down, if you know what I mean. And I think that would have freaked me out a lot more. Before, when I was unhappy, especially, I would have been angry. Because it is a shocking thing when you're in so vulnerable. I think it's like primordial. It's like your most vulnerable position. If you're out in nature or whatever. I think animals tend to tend to go off somewhere where they can where they can allow themselves to be vulnerable for a little while while they take care of their business. Humans are no different. And so somebody just walked right in. I, I thought I locked it. I found out later that the lock is broken. It was convenient. But uh, I actually said, um, I'm sorry this seat is taken. And the guy was like, oh, okay. And he closed the door. And then I thought, I can't believe that just happened. And then I finished up and I left, hoping to not make eye contact with him again once I was out on the gym floor. We had a special bond after that. I don't know if you've ever done that, somebody. You are you have a unique closeness after someone walks in on you on the bathroom, or you walk in on somebody. At least I was in a position where I didn't have to feel guilty about anything. And I can handle embarrassment now, so. Sorry, this seat is taken. Um, I'm, a, I'm afraid to, to tell some of you that this this particular podcast is going to lean heavily on the political um, because that's largely what's going on in the world. And there are some things that I really just have to get out. Um, 
And uh, there's some more stuff I wanted to talk about in Lifey Stuff, but I'm going to save it till next time because I don't want this to be too long for you. Uh, but I think I have everything together. Milk and I are going to get ourselves ready in a second, and then we will be back to get rolling on the real stuff. We're going to talk about the cult of Trump. Are you in one or not? Are you trapped in a matrix? Katie Couric interviews a man who's a supposedly a cult expert because he was in a cult. He was in the Moonies. And now he knows exactly how to recognize people who are in cults. And, and he's going to explain to us why we're in one. And then uh, a little bit about the, uh, the press uh, briefing room and how radically different it is now. Now that Trump isn't the, and, and Sean Spicer aren't um, answering questions of the press. Now that uh, Jen Psaki is representing Biden. I have a feeling she'll be she'll be answering questions a lot more than he will. They sure rush him out of there as soon as he gets a, a tough question. And uh, one really good question was asked by Peter Ducey. And I think that's all we can expect from now on is for one good question to be asked by Peter Ducey. And the rest of them are going to be, what kind of toothpaste do you use? Uh, how can you how can you stand um, the memory of Trump? Do you still have nightmares about it? Um, how do you feel about being unjustly treated by everyone um, that supports Trump? Questions like that, really digging, pressing questions. But at least we can count on Peter Ducey. I think he's going to make a big name for himself during this uh, during this administration. And uh, a couple more things, too. So just stick around, and I'll be back, and I will really get rolling. Hello, and welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 46. Now I would like to get to a segment I call, That Was Trump, This Is Now. That was Trump. This is now. Um, so I'm sure most people have seen the first press conference by Jen Psaki, or Saki, or you say it, uh, the press secretary for Joe Biden. And I just thought I would take a, a, a walk back through history to the first press conference by Sean Spicer on behalf of President Trump. And just take a look at how the same exact media outlet covered each of these events. And you tell me if there is not an obvious bias. I know there is, and you probably know there is. But the media just doesn't get it. So before I go on later on to talk about the cult of Trump and how they consider his followership a cult, even though it's 75 million people, it's a pretty big cult, um, how they continue to not get it. So first, I just want to, I want to demonstrate this as Exhibit A. I'm going to go through two articles written by Vox. I don't know if you're familiar with the outlet Vox. It's fairly left-wing. Um, but they claim to be objective. And so I want to take you back. This was Donald Trump's first press conference. Actually, it was Sean Spicer's first press conference on behalf of Donald Trump. And it was January 21st, 2017. This is the title of the article. Trump's White House called its first press briefing to complain about reporters' tweets, colon, a reflection of Trump at his pettiest. That's the headline of the story. You don't, there's no opinion in there, you don't think? You don't think that might be a characterization of the truth? Since we're, we're all preoccupied with talking about now about what's true and what isn't and who should be banned and censored because they're not speaking the truth. Simple facts. Does that sound like simple facts? Just listen to a little bit of this. It's by a woman named um, Dara Lind. And this is Vox. 
The first White House press conference of the Trump administration was supposed to happen on Monday, but on Saturday afternoon, after a little more than 24 hours in office, the administration called an impromptu press conference for the purpose of yelling at the press. White House Press Secretary Sean Spicer, visibly agitated, gave a statement that made the following claims. Now, before I even go on, does this sound a little bit different? I mean, even a little bit different than Jen Psaki's? Welcome with open arms by the media. Moving on, reading on, Spicer called Zeke Miller of Time Magazine. He's the reporter that's part of the press pool whom Spicer identified as one reporter, in quotes, I don't know why that's such an insult, but, but whom President Trump called out by name earlier today in a speech to the CIA, irresponsible and reckless, he called them, for, he called Zeke, for reporting erroneously that a bust of Martin Luther King Jr. had been removed from the Oval Office. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but it wasn't removed. There was a camera or a person or something blocking this reporter's view of the bust, so clearly it was looking for it. And he didn't see it. And so he immediately inferred that Trump must have removed it because he's such a racist. When in fact it was there and never moved. Spicer strongly implied that Miller had lied about when he hadn't seen about why he hadn't seen the bust. So he continued the, the reporter went on to say, No, I didn't see it. First he said it wasn't there. Then he changed his wording to say he didn't see it meaning suggesting that maybe it, it wasn't there, when really he knew it was there. He just couldn't see it at first. Then he did. But Spicer strongly implied that Miller had lied about why he hadn't seen the bus, saying Miller, quote, tried to claim the bust had been blocked by a Secret Service agent. Spicer accused media images of being intentionally framed. And that's what I'm getting at here. Does it feel like an intentional framing of this event by the press? to make the crowd at President Trump's inauguration look smaller than it actually was, in part by arguing that this was the first time ground coverings had been used on the mall, which wasn't true. They fact-checked whether ground coverings had been used at the mall. Spicer claimed that it would be irresponsible to cite any estimates of the crowd at Trump's inauguration or of Saturday's Women's March on Washington, which was the pro-life march, because the National Park Service, as a rule, doesn't release official estimates of crowd sizes. Spicer then claimed that President Trump drew the largest audience to witness an inaugural period, inauguration period, both in person and around the world, end quote. The article goes on to say, he did not offer any evidence for this claim, nor did he square it with the idea that it was impossible to estimate crowd size. So apparently it's, it's impossible to estimate crowd size, and Sean Spicer said it was one of the biggest crowds. They're fact-checking the size of the crowd. Spicer gave a glowing report of the president's speech to CIA staff Saturday, then cried, that's what you guys should be covering. Spicer warned that while journalists talk about holding the president accountable, quote, I'm going to tell you that it goes two ways, Spicer said. We're going to hold the press accountable as well. Spicer also delivered quick reviews of Trump's schedule for, for over the weekend, but since this wasn't a pre-scheduled press briefing, it clearly wasn't the point. It's hard to escape the conclusion that the Trump administration believes. Now, this is written in a story. It's hard to believe. It's hard to escape the conclusion that the Trump administration believes the most important thing that happened on its first day of office, something so important that it was worth calling an unscheduled weekend press briefing, was snapping at the press 
and attempting to replace relatively well-documented estimates of the relatively paltry attendance at Friday's inauguration with a wholly undocumented claim that this was the biggest inauguration ever. Defenders of Donald Trump's candidacy and his presidential transition have often dismissed... Now, this is... Apparently, this is facts, right? This is facts. This is not a version of the truth or an opinion about the truth. This is facts. Defenders of Donald Trump's candidacy and his presidential transition have often dismissed the more capricious and unpresidential aspects of his personality. His thin-skinnedness, his grudge-holding, his obsession with media coverage, popularity, and ratings as things that wouldn't affect his administration. Either they've argued that the Trump... Uh, now, this is Trump's defenders of Trump's candidacy. Who are they? Who are these people that they're attributing these words to and these sentiments to? They Apparently, these people said that it wouldn't affect his administration. These things that they don't even agree are true about Trump. Apparently, they've already conceded that they are, and they're saying they, these are Trump supporters, saying that they, while these are true, they won't affect his administration. Talk about twisting... Twisting, oh, either they've argued that the Donald Trump, either they've argued that Donald Trump's America has seen so far, has seen so far in an act that would be dropped once he assumed the burden of leading the federal government, or they've hinted that Trump would be a figurehead who kept doing this thing while the real work of government went on around him. Saturday's press conference put a stake through both of those rationalizations. Donald Trump didn't appear in that briefing room. Sean Spicer and the rest of the White House communications staff bore his message forward on his behalf. Trump's staff will represent him, not cage him. Donald Trump is not becoming more presidential. The presidency and the administration is becoming more Trump-like. Can you believe that? Now, it's, it's as bad as it is all by itself. Now, let's compare it to the, the article Vox wrote after the first press briefing by Jen Psaki on behalf of Joe Biden. Here's the headline. No meltdowns. Jen Psaki's first briefing as Biden press secretary was a breath of fresh air. It was a jarring contrast with the Trump years. And this one's by Aaron Rupar, who is known known leftist. I mean, I shouldn't even have to say that. He's writing for a major media outlet, so you should presume he's a known leftist. The first press brief, it's certainly not objective. Certainly not objective. How far to the left is could be argued, I guess. But whether or not he's objective, I don't know if that's arguable. Listen to this. The first press briefing of Biden, the Biden administration press secretary, Jen Psaki, highlighted how much changed overnight in the White House. There were no angry outbursts, no insults, no conspiracy theories pushed from the briefing room lectern, just civil, if largely unmemorable, exchanges with reporters. Yeah, they didn't ask her anything hard, except Peter Ducey. I'll get to that in a minute. That Saki didn't break a lot of policy news is understandable, given that she just started at her job hours earlier. So why did she call the press conference then? What is significant, however, is the approach she took toward reporters. I have deep respect, she said, for the role of a free and independent press in our democracy and for the role all of you play. She might as well go on to say in, in, in mimicking everything that our administration has to say so that it appears to be the truth in the media and we can then just call it facts. Who was this? And, and we wonder why they don't get it, why they call people who disagree with this a cult. They have, I've never seen such a complete lack of self-awareness 
And I've taught knuckleheads. Anyway, Saki was a State Department spokesperson for the Obama years. I'm sure all she spoke was the truth then. Said in response to the first question she fielded, As I noted earlier, there will be moments when we disagree. And there will certainly be days where we disagree for extensive parts of the briefing, even perhaps. But we have a common goal. Do they? Do they? Should it be presumed that the press corps holding truth to power has the same goal as the person who spins what the administration wants to get out into the press? Does anybody believe that? Not only that they, I mean, I, I, I know they do have the same goal. The same goal is to create the impression that everything Biden does is good. And it's different in some way from everything that Trump did. Totally telling the truth. No lies. This, these are the people that are responsible for calling out the lies of the most powerful person in the world. And they're on the same page as the press. They are. We know they are. As I noted earlier, there'd be moments when we disagree, she said. Moments. Why moments? Shouldn't you generally be disagreeing? Shouldn't she be having to be fighting them off? as they try to peel back the onion on the, on the presentation that she's giving. It, that appeared to be the job that they felt like they had when Trump was president. Uh, and then there's a subheadline: Jen Psaki's debut. No attacks, no lectures, no crowd size fixation. They're still going back to, to Spicer. Ms. Psaki, the new White House press secretary, offered an olive branch to reporters after four years of combativeness from the Trump administration in a briefing designed as a return to normalcy. You, I mean, I'm speechless. I, 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 you have to not be willing to see what the media is doing. You have to be not willing to see it in order to not see it. It's, it's, and I can understand that, I guess. You go to the news that validates what you already believe. And so people who are Democrats or liberals or pro-Biden, whatever, they tend to be attracted to CNN and MSNBC and ABC and CBS and CNN and CNBC and the Washington Post and the New York Times. It's an awful lot. Compared to the part that they they say they want to cancel, the other side is Fox News, daytime talk radio. Um, I forget the new. There's a few new outlets, news outlets that are on. I think that, I think they're on on the Amazon servers. They're on the internet, but I forget, I can't think what they're called right now. America First or One America. I think that's what it's called. And then a whole host of independent YouTubers and or podcasters that simply have a different view. Much, much smaller representation of the media as a whole. So if there's anything that is the resistance, it is this smaller group. It, 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 it stuns me. It stuns me that they've picked up the, the political spectrum and placed themselves in the middle of it. The majority of the news is not the political ideological center. It is in the fat part of the left. Now, I'll grant you that the right-wing outlets are in the fat part of the right. But 
to claim that CNN is down the middle? Anybody who's watching CNN and thinks it's down the middle wants to believe it's down the middle. And I also noticed this. They so seldom talk about policies, legislation, even ideologies, principles. They always talk about people, the political players. They talk about Trump. They talk about Biden. They talk about Obama. They talk about Mitch McConnell and and uh, Kevin McCarthy. They talk about Schumer and Pelosi. They very rarely get into the actual principles that the sides believe in. And it's almost as though they act as though there are no principles on the right. And everyone is just obsessed with the man, Trump, as though, as though conservatives like me didn't have conservative principles and believe in conservative values before Trump came along. As long as they keep acting like there isn't actually um, a, a body of thought that conservatives concur with then and just dismiss it out of hand as either completely wrong, completely false, or non-existent. They're always going to be surprised when elections happen where they lose. They have to explain it in some way. They can't say, wow, there must be a lot of people who are pro-life. Hmm, there must be some people who really do care about securing a nation's border. Huh, I guess there are a lot of people who want religious freedom. I guess there are a lot of people who value their gun rights. I guess there are a lot of people who would like government to be as small as it possibly can be. Interfering as little as possible with the freedom of people. Like, like I, 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 all they have to do is watch Fox News for an afternoon and they would see that that's what people believe. But they don't. And they want to get it canceled. I said before in a previous episode, if you think that heinous speech causes violence, wait until it is suppressed. I'm going to take a quick break. When I get back, um, I'm going to talk about a little bit about how the New York Times covered Jen Psaki's press briefing because I'm sure you can probably guess it's not much different than Vox. I'll be back after this. Been walking in the world is one of the best podcasts I have ever listened to. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 46. I've decided I'm going to dispense with the Washington Post take on the Jen Psaki press conference because it's more of the same drivel. Let's get to an actual question, a good question, asked, asked by an actual reporter who's actually questioning the, the validity and veracity of the administration. And this is Peter Ducey asking Jen Psaki about whether or not it's okay for President Biden to not be wearing a mask on federal land immediately after putting in place a mask mandate that dictates that he has to. I don't know if you remember how, how, how big a pounding President Trump took for not wearing a mask. They literally connected it to actual deaths. Those deaths were on Trump's hands because his followers or the public in general would see him not wearing a mask. This is all inferred by the press. They would see him not wearing a mask, not wear a mask themselves, and then die. I think there was even one woman who said her father was such a big Trump follower that he saw Trump not wearing a mask, so he decided not to, even though he had um, underlying conditions and was overweight, and ended up dying. And that was on Trump's hands for not wearing a mask. Think of how big a thing that is. 
while you're considering just how big a thing that is, let me play for you, uh, Ducey, asking her the question. Pretty direct question, right? Pretty reasonable question. No, no one else asked it. Um, only that outlet Fox, that right wing radical right wing outlet that that spews hate and causes violence. So we need to get rid of. This is exactly the kind of thing we need to get rid of. He was celebrating. He was celebrating. Could you imagine if a Trump press secretary said that? It's unfathomable. If if people were out celebrating or and not wearing masks by following the example, it's okay if you're celebrating. Everybody keep that in mind. Keep that in mind, because they're going to be telling you that you need to wear a mask long after you've been vaccinated. Just make sure you have some plans to celebrate some things so that you can not wear your mask. Uh, And I am a mask wearer. I'm a mask wearer. I believe that that you need to wear a mask because I do believe in whatever way it helps stop the transmission. But I also understand that we can't stop living. Right? We can't just allow the government to erase freedoms permanently without us asking why and or or why are you not doing it, too? You see, there's been a string of of Democrat politicians breaking their own rules. Gavin Newsom did it in California. The list. There's a big list of them. I'm not going to go into them right now, but let's let's continue to listen to this um, exchange. You signed the mask mandate because it's a way to send a message to the American public about the importance of uh, wearing masks, how it can save tens of thousands of lives. We take a number of COVID precautions, as you know, here in terms of testing, social distancing, mask wearing ourselves as, as we now, do every single day. But I don't know that I have. Are we to believe that the Trump White House wasn't doing all those things? Or didn't it matter? This is why without an alternative press to the mainstream media, their their version of reality would bend in any direction they needed it to. And it is. It does. I have more for you on it than that. That is incredible. Peter Ducey's got a future. He really has a future. He seems like he is very bright. And he's also courageous. He's willing to actually do what the press is supposed to do. Remind the people in power of what they said before and what they're doing now and ask them to reconcile them. Right? That's one of the, the, the biggest roles of the press. I said in a previous episode that hypocrisy is one of the worst forms of lying. So it's the role of the press to say, this is what you said, this is what you're doing, or this is what you're saying now. Please reconcile the difference between them because there appears to be a difference. She says, that's all I have for you on that now. And so he quotes President Biden when he was attacking Donald Trump about not wearing a mask. 
It's not the example of our power. It's the power of our example. Which I happen to believe to be true. But apparently Joe Biden doesn't. She answers by saying that that he's showing he's showing an example by passing ma- mask mandates, by signing executive orders, literally the definition of power. That is, those are all examples of his power. Nobody else in the world can sign executive orders that force other people to wear masks. That is literally, by definition, the example of his power. She's trying to illustrate it as the power of his example. Oh, no, no, the example he's setting by by putting mask mandates in place. Oh, okay, I guess I should then follow his example and put mask mandates in place. Oh, wait a minute, I'm not the president and I can't do that. But he can show the example they were saying Trump should have shown and wear a mask. That's what you said then. This is what you're doing now. Please reconcile it for me. So he continues. I think uh, the power of his example is also uh, the message he sends by signing 25 executive orders, including almost half of them related to COVID. Uh, How is that the power of his example? That literally is an example of his power. The requirements that we're all under every single day here to ensure we're sending that message to the public. Yesterday was a historic moment in our history. He was inaugurated as president of the United States. He was surrounded by his family. We take a number of precautions, but I don't think I think we have big, bigger issues to, to worry about at this moment in time. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? No, I, I, I I'm actually not getting worked up. I mean, I I kind of am, but I'm really not because it just doesn't surprise me at all. It doesn't surprise me at all. And and this is just the the examination of the political people. Like like I said before, the, the media loves to operate in this realm of who's a good person, who's a bad person, who has the who who has the, the America's best interest in mind, who lies, who doesn't lie as though they don't all lie. But, but nowhere in here are we talking about actual principles and policies and what this, this large 75 million person group on the right might actually believe that Trump also believed, that they believed before Trump came, that they believed before Rush Limbaugh came, that they believed before Ronald Reagan came. It's just dismissed. That's why it's not talked about that much. I tell you that is why that's not talked about. Rather focus on Trump's personality. But boy, talk about blocking for the president. The press is supposed to play defense, not block for him. But it illustrates itself. And I got to say, I'm very proud of Peter Ducey. Whatever whatever Steve and his wife, Steve Ducey and his wife did to raise that kid, and what generally seems to be like the quality of their family, I don't know how anybody can watch uh, Fox and Friends and not think very highly of Peter Ducey as a person, as a family. So he's he deserves kudos. He did it right. And then this is what we get. We get probably for the foreseeable future somebody asking questions that are thorn directly in the paw of an administration, like many others, that is going to tell lies. Ah, I feel better. All right, I'm going to take a quick break. And when I get back, um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the cult of Trump. Uh, Katie Kirk was interviewing uh, this guy named Dr. Stephen Hassan. 
who um, is apparently an expert on cults because he belonged to a cult. He belonged to the Moonies. And now he's writing books about how to detect cult behavior and um, how to deprogram people who've been in cults. Very convenient. Anyway, I'll be back after this. Welcome back to Sam Walking in the World, episode 46. Now you are in for a treat. I am going to do my best to stay calm during this, but I'm going to play for you <clears throat> an interview uh, of a man who who is supposedly a cult expert. His name is Dr. Stephen Hassan, and he's going to be interviewed by Katie Couric. This is, I believe, on, might be NBC or CBS. I think it's one of the major networks. <clears throat> Unless she's on CNN, no, I'm not even sure. But it's all kind of the same mouth speaking when you hear that. But I'm going to preface it with this. This man is going to explain how followers of Trump, which I guess includes all conservatives or anyone who voted for him, as members of a cult, transfixed by the cult leader, Trump. Um, and it's a, he describes it as a top-down kind of uh, autocracy, kind of like authoritarian, where we're all told what to think and what to feel and what to believe by Trump. Um, one of the big themes is that we are we are being de um, deceived. We're deceived by falsities, and um, we're told what to think and what to want. And so, in, in other words, I want you to notice the direction that this arrow is pointing. It's from Trump to us. We believe what he wants us to believe. And there's two other things I want you to think about while I play this, and I'll be commenting during it too. But I want you to think how. There's two main presuppositions that this man makes. One is that we are unaware of what's true. We believe something is true, but it isn't because we're, we're given falsehoods, I guess, by our media. The media on Fox um, and on various YouTubers, you'll hear him say, um, and that's all false. I guess we're to presume then that the truth comes from, for example... Katie Couric and CNN, MSNBC, CBS, Washington Post, New York Times. That's the truth. I guess somehow he believes we're not even aware of that. Like the, that, that, <laughs> that's pouring out of every major media network. But we're somehow we're not aware of that, or we're we're shielded from it somehow, and we only are given uh, media outlets that are false. We're, we're attracted to media outlets that are false because I guess because Trump tells us to. Um, it's and and the second one is aside, the first one is that we're we're what we get is all false. We're deceived, and the other one is that our values or principles as a conservative, my values and principles, um, are are non-existent. I guess like um, how I feel about issues. Um, they 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 were not born of my own experience in life, paying attention to the world as I'm living it. They were told to me by Trump, or they just don't exist at all, and we don't really believe in anything. If we were to decide to believe in important things, they would have to be the principles that are touted by the left. And just listen to how he dismisses the possibility as of, of us actually having our own principles. Now. You're going to listen to this guy, and, and I, I, but I want you to pay attention to your watch as you start listening to him. How long it takes for you to, to think he's a kook. And then how long it takes for you to realize that Katie Couric is a hack. 
a hack, absolute hack. All right, I'm going to start this. I know that you wrote a book, Dr. Hassan, called The Cult of Trump. Can you help us understand the cult of Donald Trump? Yes, the, the cult of Donald Trump is uh, best described as him, first of all, as the absolute leader who demands total obedience. Do you think he's a kook yet? As a malignant narcissist personality, which is a stereotypical profile, by the way, of other cult leaders. Um, but the specific pyramid structure controls people's behavior, information, thoughts, and emotions. Do you feel yourself part of that pyramid? Do you feel it flowing down from Trump? Everything you think and feel? Everything you believe? And demands complete obedience. So in that cult, people have a black and white, all or nothing, good versus evil mindset. Now I want you to stop and think for a second as we move forward. Because the, the point of this is that we're all in the matrix. We don't know it. We've been transfixed. And we're in the matrix. And what we think is real is really just some program. We've been programmed. We're not in the real world. We just can't tell because we don't have any reference points. And so I want I want to ask this question as we listen to this further. What is it that prevents him and Katie Couric and the left and the followers of Biden from being in the matrix? In what way can they tell that they're not in the matrix and that we are? Just keep that in mind as you listen to this. They're controlled through fear and manipulation of information. They have phobias that are installed in their heads, thinking that if they disobey, terrible things are going to happen to them. And um, really, people have reported it. And I was in the Mooney's cult myself, so I can tell you firsthand. It's like a radical personality change where your real integrity, your conscience is put aside by this new cloned identity. That's. Are you kidding me? Do you all feel that? Are you aware that that's happened to you? I'm, I'm trying to think. Maybe, maybe it has. I'm, I'm going to take this as a possibility. As I, as I listen further, I'm going to think to myself, have I set aside my integrity, my own actual values? Because I feel like I can still list them. I feel like I still want lower taxes, a real border, voter ID, um, strength internationally, um, for the government to be as small and as unobstreperous as possible. I feel like that's what I want. I feel like I have family values. I feel like I believe in God. I feel like I can still put my finger on the things I think, but well, maybe it's just an illusion. I have to listen more. It suppresses you. And uh, fortunately for me, I was deprogrammed at the request of my family. Then I started the reality test again, and that's what's led me for 44 years to help others get out of destructive authoritarian cults. Huh. Do you feel yourself being helped? All right. Let's just presume he's right. We're going to try and see if we can deprogram ourselves with his help. I can see how some hardcore Trump supporters can be described as cult members. But I can also see a lot of people watching this saying, we actually just like his policies. 
we feel we don't want our taxes raised. We agree with them vis-a-vis China. We want to be strong internationally or whatever explanation they may have that, that supports their point of view. 74 million people, are you saying they're all members of a cult? That's a great question. That's a great question. Am I? Am I? I didn't storm the Capitol. I didn't resort to violence. I just want to be able to speak freely and and have the battle of ideas um, allow people to choose for themselves. I don't want anyone censored. But that's a great question. I want you to watch how he doesn't answer it. So I am acknowledging 74 million people voted for Donald Trump. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I wonder how long it took you for you to, to for you to acknowledge that. Was it just simply a fact that that you're finally acknowledging? But the other thing too is, and and I don't know, maybe it's because I'm an English teacher, but I tend to think people are full of crap when they start their answer to a question with the word "so." She asked him a yes or no question, and he started with "so." I think he does it like three times. It makes me want to strangle him. In the last election. But I would doubt that most of them believe that Donald Trump is an agent of God. Or- okay, so most of us don't. I wonder if you could ballpark the figure. What percent of us are the cult member crazies and which of us just simply have our own values? Because he says he acknowledges that many of us are not following him, Trump, like a messiah. Or has all of the answers. I think many of them who voted for him were already Republican, for example, or they bought into the disinformation campaign against the Democratic Party. All right, now we're getting into it. We bought into the disinformation campaign against the Democratic Party. So he's basically saying then that what the Democrat Party stands for, their idea of what's true, their idea of what are worthwhile values and principles. That's the true stuff. Our stuff is disinformation. Like, for example, it must have been disinformation that the unemployment rate was as low as it's ever been in American history during the last four years, including people of color. Was that disinformation or was that a fact? I'd like to get to the bottom of it, because if that wasn't true, then I, had to com- I was completely wrong about the state of the economy. Um, but for me, the real sign of a cult member is the inability to see the possibility that the leader could be bad or wrong. Does he see the possibility that the Democrat Party could be wrong? It doesn't seem to me like that's built into his equation. It seems to me like that's a starting point is that you could not possibly consider what the Democrat Party thinks as false. It sounds to me like he's starting with that supposition, as I said before. But it just keeps getting better. Do you think Donald Trump set out to be a cult leader, or did it simply transpire on its own because of his style and ideology? Notice the presupposition. The presupposition here is that we are a cult, that he is a cult leader. And then the question is really just how it happened. That premise is never questioned, that he's a cult leader and that we're a cult. It's just it, that's baked into what's in his body of what is true. 
Trump got to the place of running the cult of Trump through his upbringing, through his father, Fred, who was an authoritarian and reportedly said to him and his brother, you are a killer, you are a king, you are a killer, you are a king over. Are you kidding me? Now, if we're going to get into how a person became the way they are by tracing their lineage through their parents, you could do it with anybody. Are you telling me that Barack Obama was not considered a messianic figure? Uh, are you telling me that Barack Obama wasn't created and radicalized by his father? That his his values, his worldview, wasn't impacted by his father? Or did he just tune into everything that's true and then he just, just reflected everything that's true? Over and over again but also exposed his children to a uh, cultish, Christian-esque type group that was very magical thinking, believe and you will succeed. Are you kidding me? Believe and you will succeed. Are we not to believe that? And it's, it's cultish in its Christian-like way. Magically re religious. Doubt is evil. So he learned thought stopping, which is a mind control technique, as an early child. Of course, then he went to he sent to um, a military academy as well. That also kind of groomed him. But the bottom line was that he was a clone of his father, Fred. Can you clone people? Is that pop I Can you? Milky's saying no. Milky's saying what he means is that he's offspring of his father. Yeah. Yes, I tend to agree with that. And he did all of his business practices as a narcissist that wanted total obedience and control. And it was only... Who's trying to censor the other side right now? Who's advocating for more and all possible points of view? And who's advocating for eliminating some of them? Later that he was recruited by authoritarian cult people as a good figurehead for them to have political influence. Who? Who are they? Who are these people that recruited him to become a cult leader so that they could operate behind the scenes? It sounds to me a little bit like he's describing Joe Biden. Power. What kind of people are receptive to being in a cult or following a cult-like leader? So people are... He did it again. So I'm just going to continue talking about what I feel like because it's from my book. I'm not really going to answer your questions in any way that somebody who's skeptical could be convinced. But then again, they're never going to be convinced because of Trump's thought stopping. Do you feel your thoughts being stopped? Typically very susceptible to the appeals of a destructive cult because of deception. And that's a very important point. The public needs to understand that intelligent, educated people don't go, you know what, I want to be abused and exploited. How are we being abused and exploited? How? And, 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 and be part of an authoritarian cult that breaks the laws. Who's he talking about? The 200 people that stormed the Capitol? Yes, I agree. They were nuts and violent, and yes, perhaps misled by things Trump has said. 
But what about the rest of us? The, the 74, I'm sorry, the 73 million nine hundred and I don't know, 90,000? No, more than that, 998,000. What about us? No, the appeals are too grandiosity, make America great again. We're going to restore democracy. We're going to drain the swamp. How about fundamentally transform America? Does that sound grandiose? Uh, the, 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 the seas will recede and we will fundamentally transform America. Who said that again? Oh, wait, that was Obama. So there were very deceptive appeals, but essentially in my research of over 40 years, people are in vulnerable moments in their life will they be more receptive to a recruitment message or recruiter. So death of a loved one, illness, dislocation, losing a job. Losing a job. Hmm. Could it be that people had lost their job Maybe they were in the coal or oil industry, um, or maybe they were in any industry that was affected negatively by Democrat policies and caused the slowest recovery in American history during eight years of Obama. What if they just wanted to get back to work? Is that deception that they don't have a job? That So if they follow somebody who says they're going to reduce regulation and cut taxes so maybe there'll be more jobs that that's somehow deception because then they voted for him. He was elected and then that happened. Lowest unemployment rate in American history. I mean, seriously, the pandemic and, and uh, the economic problems are huge uh, susceptibility factors. Susceptibility to what? Reality? Is he suggesting that those things aren't real? in your life and that you might want to use your voice, your vote to make a change for the public going forward, destabilizing uh, a country uh, groups, economic status is a major technique for doing mind control on people. Trump disrupted our, our economic stability. It sounds to me like he's describing Obama. And, and he has no idea that he's doing it. Because you want to disorient people. You want to confuse people. You want to make people search for meaning and hope outside of the existing institutional structures. God forbid. God forbid you seek for purpose and hope. You, I'm sorry, you seek purpose and hope outside of the current institutional whatever the hell he said. What is he talking about? Government? If you don't if you don't seek for your government to provide those things and you go elsewhere, perhaps to a God, maybe, to certain principles that you believe in, outside the current institutional structure. I guess we're all supposed to stay inside the institutional structure. Who sounds like they're in the matrix here? So the susceptibility of people now to look to, well, who knows the solution to the problem of how to make the world a better place now? Unfortunately, the human mind responds to certainty. And when, when, and cult leaders are very good 
uh, talking in a way that's very convincing. Proud citizens like you help build this country, and together we are taking back our country, our fight to drain the Washington swamp, and reclaim America's destiny has just begun. This kind of, of communication kind of accesses people's emotional brain, not their critical thinking part, but their emotional brain of well. I feel like I'm thinking critically. I feel like I think Washington is a swamp. I think lifetime politicians are the problem. I think term limits would be a good solution. I, I think an outsider coming in and shaking that up is a good thing. It's almost like this guy is trying to brainwash people on behalf of the government. Maybe he seems to sound confident. Maybe he can do something because things are so bad. What you're saying is he preyed on people's economic anxiety? So Donald Trump used... He did it again. He did it again. ...in his recruitment and indoctrination into becoming the president identifying key groups of people and their unique vulnerabilities. Now listen to this. He calls these vulnerabilities. They're, they're dismissed out of hand as actually being principles themselves. Values themselves. They're buttons that, we, that are pushed and then we respond. As though we didn't think it first. As though we didn't feel it first. This is where all arrows come from Trump to us. Not from us to Trump. So what buttons could be pushed to motivate them to become followers? And a lot of data was gathered on American citizens to know exactly which buttons to push. Someone's religious and they don't like abortion. That's a button. Did you know that was a button? I bet you have some of these other buttons too. That button, someone's a gun owner, they want the NRA. Is that a button? Any of you out there have a gun? Any of you out there want to maintain your, your Second Amendment rights? That's a button. See, it's just something they're using in order to get you to go along with the authoritarian commands of Trump. So people are uh, transformed or radicalized, depending on the, the words. Um, through a systematic social influence process. Like CNN? Like MSNBC? Like getting rid of alternative voices? Dissent? Like that? And in my research, working with Chinese communist brainwashing patterns, for example, I've identified behavior control. Wait a minute. The Chinese are bad? Something bad about the Chinese? There was something, maybe there was a reason for Trump standing up to the Chinese? Or, or are they okay? Are they not our enemy? I feel, like, I feel like Trump took a pretty hard stand on the communist Chinese and their brainwashing. I don't know what. He's brainwashing us, but he's also against brainwashing. I don't get it. Well, information control, thought control. And information control. Do you hear that? Who wants less information out there? I guess they're calling our information misinformation, so it doesn't count. But ultimately, I guess it comes down to this. 
you have to the only reason you would need to control you feel compelled to control the amount of information and kind of information people are getting is because they don't have the ability to discern it themselves you and i can't do that we can't do that for ourselves because we're in the matrix so someone else has to do that for us and we're to just trust that what they're telling us is the truth without questioning it sounds like i'm being recruited into a cult Emotional control is the four overlapping variables that when applied to people, and I should add, in this day and age, it's coming to us through digital media. It's coming to us through our smartphones if we're signing up for certain sites or watching certain YouTubes. It's what if we're watching anything else? What if you simply turn the TV on and not on to Fox, something else? CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS. What if we turn those on? You see how he's setting all that up as the norm? That's the truth. And if you go somewhere else, then you're you're bombarded with falsehood. He doesn't even he doesn't even take time to ask the question of why someone might want their news from another outlet than these. As though there's way more conservative media, as, way though, as though there's way more of a conservative version of the truth out there than the Democrat liberal version. Does he not see it? I guess not. That people can be systematically influenced and without, without knowledge and education about how mind control works and the differences between ethical and unethical influence people. We need to learn more about mind control in order to be able to tell what's true and what's not. Hmm, that seems to me like it's a body of expertise that this man has. We don't. And so he has this unique perspective of understanding what's true and right because he knows about mind control. This man was in the Moonies. This man fell completely under the spell of mind control. People are sitting ducks, in my opinion. What role does Fox News play in all of this? Fox News is part of the media uh, uh, program. I describe in the cult of Trump that, for example, Alex Jones would take a disinformation story from Russia Today media, broadcast it, it would be picked up by Breitbart, then picked up by Fox. And so there was this this radicalization of the, the conservative media. Are you nuts? Let me just take you back in history for a short period of time. Hillary Clinton fashioned, uh, well, he she hired, um, I forget the guy's name, Steele. Uh, I can't think of his first name right now, but the, the English um, intelligence agent hired him to create false information about Trump. And this dossier was created. The dossier was then circulated through our CIA, then to the FBI, and then Jim Comey put it into the press. And for three years, it was considered the truth that there was Russia collusion. That's literally the exact pattern he's describing, except it didn't happen on the right. To 
off the charts deception uh, and manipulation and disinformation. I'm sure there are conservative right-wing people who feel the media on the other side is guilty of brainwashing individuals. Hmm. That can't be possible. Some people think it, but it can't be possible. Could you help please enlighten us on that? What would you say to that? So I get, I get... He did it again. Don't trust people who start their answers with so. Told all the time that I am brainwashed by the... No. No. You? It's not like you were ever brainwashed before. Oh, wait a minute. Milky's telling me that he was. Thank you, Milky. Left wing media, etc. And what I say is that the actual behaviors are what one needs to, to look at and the specific journalistic um, practices need to be tested to see whether or not something has fact-based and evidence-based or pure lies and propaganda. Hum, let's go back to my example. Was there any evidence for Trump colluding with the Russians? Was Were the journalistic practices tested, he said? How do you test a journalistic practice except allow as much information as you can and allow people to choose for themselves? <laughs> How do you test journalistic practices? Th this is a media industry that never looks back and goes, oh, yeah, we were wrong about that. I guess you should take a few credibility points away from us. Oh, yeah, we were wrong about that, too. They just move on to the next thing. Where, where are these journalistic practices happening? How did this cult behavior play out in what happened at the U.S. Capitol? So what we saw in the in the riots and the invasion of the Capitol has actually been foretold for months. I've been talking about it. When I wrote the Cult of Trump book in 2019, I said, if he doesn't get reelected, there's going to be violence. If he did get reelected, there would have been violence. That's why they were putting all the gates up, thinking he might win. I'm going to take a quick break here. I have to stop. Um, and then on the other side, I'll finish this up. Stay with me. <laughs> Welcome back to Sam Walking in the Matrix. <laughs> Glad to have you back. I'm not going to bore you with any more of that, actually. I decided because it, it's ridiculous enough on its face now. But I, I, Katie Couric, honestly, taking this man seriously... <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm just gonna play something by Joe Biden, just to kind of reground myself in things that I believe I've seen that make me question whether or not the 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 Democrat uh, brand is uh, necessarily right. And this is Joe Biden. What you all know, but most people don't know, unlike the African American community, with notable exceptions, the Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. Did you know that? I'm gonna play it for you again. Unlike the African-American community. So unlike the African-American community. Latino community is an incredibly diverse community. Did you know that? Unlike the African-American community. I, I See, I didn't know that because I know African-Americans. And to me, each they, they, they each seem like individuals to me. But I, I guess I didn't, I didn't realize they were a monolithic group. This is the man who we're supposed to be hearing the truth from. One, one more time. What you all know. 
like the African-American community with notable exceptions. The Latino community is an incredibly diverse community with incredibly different attitudes about different things. Crazy. I did not know that. I did not know that fact. Probably because I'm, I'm, I have my head in the ground. I, I, all I listen to is alternative media that deceives me into a cult. I should just, I should get my head out of this hole and turn on CNN. Then I could listen to Katie Couric and Joe Biden, and and I would, I would be able to escape this matrix. I'm still stuck in it right now, though. So between now and my next episode, I'm going to see if I can, see if I can figure out some way. To get out of the matrix, I don't know. I don't know if I can. I mean, Keanu Reeves did it. I think, unless he's still in the matrix and doesn't know it. Maybe we all are. I will not bend your ear anymore. <laughs> Make up your own mind. I will see you next time. This is Sam walking in the matrix.